Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Chingo Bling. Have you noticed that we're back at war? Gas prices are up, inflation out the wazoo, the cost of goods. What the hell is going on? We try to make sense of it on this show. We try to bring that common sense. We try to cut through all the propaganda and the BS and give you the trill spill. But if I were to believe it, this is Red Pill Tamales and the show is blowing up. We're reaching more people thanks to listeners like you who put your shoulder to the wheel and contribute directly. Patreon.com forward slash Red Pill Tamales. You get multiple shows a week. You get access to the Discord and you get access to Rob G's uh, illustrious voice. That's right. Every week, four days a week. Patreon.com forward slash Red Pill Tamales. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Red Pill Tamales. Uh, we're taking this, uh, we want to do this uh, emergency segment. Uh, a good friend of the show, Chief Roy Villarreal. Uh, how you doing, Chief? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for uh, the opportunity. I always love coming on with you guys. Uh, we appreciate the work that you do. And uh, right now, everybody, all eyes on the border. We've been hearing about Title 42 is going to get rescinded by May 23rd. And um, we're hearing numbers like 300,000, 400,000 people coming all in in one month. So while Americans are distracted by Ukraine and Russia and all these other things, our border is literally being like overrun and overwhelmed. Uh, give us some details. Well, I think you're completely accurate. It's not that it's being overrun. It's been overrun. So since uh, the federal government does everything in, in a fiscal year, so since October to today, we've got uh, the Border Patrol's apprehended almost a million people. It's uh, about 970,000 people that have been encountered or apprehended at the, at the southwest border. Take this into comparison to what we saw last year where I think it was 1.8 million. We The Border Patrol will easily surpass that if the projections, as you mentioned, the 100, 200, 300,000 folks are expected to migrate towards the border here uh, as soon as Title 41, Title 42 is lifted. And you, the, the figures you just gave, you said, you said 1 million people from the start of this year? Just about, so it's actually, it's about 970,000 um, encounters or arrests that have happened along the Southwest border. So year to date from October 1st, Today, it's about 970,000 arrests. So, Chief, could you break down just in layman's terms real quick? I know a lot of people are just now starting to catch wind of what even Title 42 is or even that name. So can you let our uh, listeners become a little more familiarized with what that is? And uh, later, we're actually going to go into what the ACLU is saying about how we need to end Trump-era border policies. It's, Title 42, as a result of the, the global pandemic, um, was it's, it falls under the CDC. It was uh, utilized to prevent further uh, infiltration or spread of COVID. So if we look back two, three years, uh, I think it's been in place for about two years now. If you look back at the onset of it, this is when the pandemic initially started. And the mindset was such that we wanted to reduce the infusion of other folks and, and help quell the spread. Because one of the things you have to take into consideration is that we were trying at that point to take care of those that were in the United States. And then when you bring other folks into it, if they're at the immediate Southwest border, or even as they, they migrate uh, into the United States, it has the potential for overwhelming our medical system. Um, you know, at one point our hospitals were, were overwhelmed. And then if you add to it, this infusion of whether it's half a million or a million or last year, 2 million people, it just, it further propagates and overwhelms our, our, uh, our medical system. 
So this has been in place. And what that means is that when a Border Patrol agent encounters somebody at the border uh, who's entered illegally, they have the ability to immediately expel them. We don't, they don't have to take them to a station. There's no processing. They're immediately returned or expelled right back to Mexico. Uh, and, and that was key in helping to prevent the spread of COVID. Uh, but as time has progressed here, the Title 42 regulations have loosened up. Initially, it was everyone. And then it was loosened up to allow or, or exclude families and children. And when that happened, you started to see an uptick in the level of illegal migration. So with Title 42 going away at the end of May, I, I'm, my projection, and you're seeing it in the news right now, is that we're going to see a surge of illegal migration along the southwest border. I do. You, I'm trying to predict if um, if if it's going to take if this crisis is going to take the place of the other crises, because you know the media. I mean, they kind of suck. They're not really doing their job. They're just focused on, on what they want to focus on. But I wonder in terms of like the public discussion, you know, Rob and, and Chief, do you guys feel like it's going to be in your grill, like ring the alarm? Like people are going to start to na- take notice, like even folks on the left that are in their news bubble. Do you think it's going to break through to the mainstream? It's got the potential. Look at look at what happened uh, with in Del Rio with that surge of Haitian uh, migrants that came across. With the volume of projected illegal migration that, that's uh, expected to happen in May and June, there is no reason, uh, other than than uh, other than pushing a, a different narrative, there's no reason that the media shouldn't cover this because it it will be in our faces. There's there's no way to avoid it. And if the average American understood how the cartels are setting up shop over here, like they're here, they've been here, and they're they're really expanding terri- territorio like they're expanding their territory uh they're making way more money than they ever had before um they're gonna like this this regime is exasperating exasperating this whole situation the cartels are smart they they're all about logistics and distribution and setting up shop and distribution hubs and so i've heard a ton of reports of like the military age man with the carpeted shoes and the camouflage coming through the dead of night while La Migra's distracted trying to process, you know, oh, they sent a bunch of women and kids and now we got to go greet them and, and help them make sure they're hydrated and everything. Meanwhile, all the fentanyl, like other countries are pro- now I used to think Trump was crazy when he would say they're opening their prisons. There are the people, the mental health, like the ones they don't want, other problems. America's a dumping ground. Now I'm like, oh, shit, <laughs> this could be true. <laughs> well, I, I, so you're, you're certainly right about the distraction. When the Border Patrol and Border agents have to contend with kids and families, that becomes a humanitarian issue at that point. And so they're focused on making sure that these kids and and these, uh, these families, the, the women and kids and moms and dads, that they're taken care of. Because what the smugglers will do is they will, they'll drive them up. They will charter buses. They'll drive them to isolated areas along the border. Because on, on Mexico, there's a highway system that parallels almost, almost all of our border. And so they will strategically pick a point where there's nothing on the U.S. side and drop off 100, upwards of 300 women and kids in the middle of the desert which then requires the Border Patrol to rapidly respond, mobilize resources, which leaves other segments of the border wide open. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the, the folks in camouflage and carpet booties, and that's an absolute. So when you're distracted and, you, and you're focused on the humanitarian mission, what happens is the criminal side 
takes advantage of it. So the fentanyl, the hardcore criminals, whatever else is going to take advantage of that, that immediate vulnerability and sneak right on through. So how do you pose that point to somebody who's, let's just say, <clears throat> we hate to use left and right all the time, but it is what it is. And at this point, you know, people on the left are saying that it is, it's Trump policies that are creating a humanitarian crisis. And as we're, you know, you're talking to us, it's, it's not quite that simple. And it's obviously more, more than that. So do you have any way to kind of put it in a layman's terms for somebody who's coming from a left's perspective where we need to actually do away with Trump's, any of Trump's policies in order to make this a better situation? Now, the reality is you've got to take it away from a Trump, a left or a right. The, the actual reality of this is this is a congressional failure that's happened for decades. It's, it's an immigration system that is completely broken. If, uh, if this was as simple as a Trump-enacted policy, then the Biden administration could have very readily removed it. So it's, it's not Trump, it's not Biden, it's not left, it's right. It's, the simple fact is the overall system needs to be reworked, rewritten, um, reappropriated, and, and Congress needs to get off their butt and do something. And in the short term, how do you rewrite or re, uh, re um, uh, I guess, enforce uh-huh. something like a Title 42? Well, you don't. And unfortunately, so Title 42, it had a shelf life and it's come to its end. The issue that, that we look at now, and the term I meant to use was for Congress, is they need to, they need to legislate. Right. Um, they, they haven't passed effective legislation in decades. And in order to, to be effective, they need to look at the entirety of the system. Don't focus solely on the enforcement or focus solely, in this case, on the asylum process. You've got to take a, a, a whole of government or a whole of issue approach and address it all simultaneously. If you can fix the legal migration portion, then the enforcement portion becomes easier because then you can really focus on the bad guys. You're not drawn away doing a humanitarian mission when if, if there's a mechanism by which families and unaccompanied children can apply legally in their country and not expose themselves to, to harm or risk or death in the deserts or crossing the rivers, then you allow the Board of Trades to focus on, on the true issue, which is the fentanyl, the hardcore criminals. The folks are going to cause you and I harm some way. Yeah, because um, <clears throat> I saw in a comment, you know, cause sometimes I hop in the comments and try to like red pill people. And uh, it, it was on someone else's page. And somebody said, because I cited the border, right? I listed it in the list of issues that Americans should be concerned about, right? And the Roberto, the person said was, now, how is this border situation directly affecting your life or mine? And it's like, I wonder how many people have that attitude where they just feel so separated. Disconnected, and, and yeah. So disconnected. Like, it, like they feel closer to the Poland-Ukraine border <laughs> somehow because that's where a lot of the funds are going, a lot of the media attention. But, um, I mean, I always cite, like, crime is going to go up in the inner cities. Like, you know what I mean? Like, wages are going to go down. Um there's no telling if there's any, how many terrorists yeah. and, and things of that nature. In your, in your words, Chief, what do you think people can expect when something like a Title 42, that shelf life has run out, and what's just going to happen to these border towns and people around the border? So, And what I think middle America, what I think America as a whole needs to realize is that what happens at the border does not stay at the border. Border security is national security. When, when you've got an open forest border or you have an a law enforcement entity that can't do its job because it's overwhelmed with a humanitarian humanitarian mission, then we've got a, a huge problem. 
Because at that point, what happens is, as we've mentioned, the fentanyl, the fentanyl doesn't stay at the border. It goes all the way up into New York, Chicago, Atlanta, you, you name it, fentanyl is touching those places. You add the methamphetamine, the cocaine, and everything else, it doesn't stop at the border. It, it migrates to every part of the United States. As it relates to, to the individuals coming across, there's, I would say, about you know, 85 90%, maybe, maybe even higher than that. I mean, they're, they're good-hearted people that are looking for an econo- economic opportunity. They're looking for the American dream. And it's hard to fault them because we have a, a, an immigration system that just doesn't work. But it's that 10 or 15%, those criminals, those are the ones that we have to be worried about. And those are the ones that don't stop at the border. It, I, I always laugh when I hear people say, well, it's just a border issue. It's not. It, that crime will go anywhere. The, the thing about law enforcement and countries is that we've got boundaries. We've got limitations. Criminal networks can go wherever they want, as, as we realize. There's nothing that stops them from reaching all the way in the United States, and that's exactly what they do. And when you think about, you know, how does it affect me, if we have a surge uh, of illegal migration, now we have the issue where you've got individuals that may not be uh, immunized. They may not, uh, you know, whether it's COVID vaccines, whether it's measles, mumps, whatever it may be, they may not have the same level of care that we give to our kids here in the United States. And now we're introducing those children in, into our school system. They may not speak our language. So now we've got to increase the amount of resources we put into our schools. And, and uh, one thing I, I, I always say is I don't fault the kids because they don't control their destinies. That's their parents. Um, but when you look at the impact on communities across the entire United States, it's immense. Social services, schools, and, and you're right, in some cases, crime. Uh, when, when new folks migrate to the United States, it's, it's a historical practice. They're not always um, afforded the same, well, I don't want to say opportunities, because I think everyone has, has the same opportunities in the United States to, to a great degree, but they find themselves in situations where they may resort to a life of crime. Can you, Chief, can you point to, and we're talking about like uh, the whole policy, the whole immigration policy and, and everything needs to be performed. Can you look back in history and point at an era where some of the stuff made sense and maybe should be looked at just for a 20, in a 2022 lens? Absolutely. I, I think what uh, our elected officials need to do, well, two parts of this. I think us as the constituents and um, the, the folks that actually should have control over our elected officials, we need to vocalize this, whether it's phone calls, emails, direct face-to-face conversation. But our elected officials need to take a hard look at how they rebuild this system. And some of the key things they can look at, uh, the, the Bracetto program back in the, from, I believe it was the, the mid-1940s all the way up until the mid-1960s, which was a, it was a work visa. People were able to come over here, principally, you know, the, the fathers would come over here, they would work, they would send their remittances home to take care of their families, and then they would go home. And then they would come back. It, it, you know, if, if we have the need for employment, there are there's a ready pool of folks that are more than willing to come over. Give them the legal system to do it. And then you you, you fast forward, and there have been different uh, uh, legislative acts like IRCA in 1986. Um, that and that was an amnesty, and, and we keep on repeating this, whether we want to call it or not. It's an amnesty. Every for every ten years, you're legalizing everyone who came here illegally. You're not really doing anything to deter that practice. Mm. Uh, you're you're in a sense, rewarding it. But we, we need to figure out how we better provide opportunities, how we, and when we pass legislation like, um, uh, you know, I-9s and uh, work eligibility checks, we don't put any teeth behind it. There's, there's no enforcement behind it. So 
it sounds great when you're on the bully pulpit, but you know, this is what I passed and we're going to make sure that only people who are here legally can work. But if you don't put any teeth, resources or finances behind it to enforce that, it's meaningless. And this is what, what Congress does repeatedly over and over and over. Any final and, thoughts? Well, I, I've heard the argument from both sides when it comes to did this administration invite and openly, I guess, um, kind of just and make it seem to the world, in essence, that like, hey, you know, th- what was the quote? Rush the border. Yeah. What was it? Surge the border. Yeah, surge the border. <clears throat> in our country, I think in the debates, Biden said, our country should be able to absorb and help, you know, all those who want to come for root causes, yeah. right? Climate, whatever. Whatever it was. And, um, and everyone clapped and stuff because it, you know, sounds nice. So how much, how much should we attribute to that like is it true that they kind of you know invited people and i don't blame people for coming shit if i was invited yeah and promised a lot of cool <laughs> shit i'd come i'd be dumb not to come you know the rhetoric certainly plays into it but it's it's a combination of actions and inaction uh and, and when i say that this administration has taken certain actions that limit border security or border enforcement and then on the flip side, there's been inactions where they haven't taken any steps towards enhancing or improving border security. So, for for example, the rhetoric that you spoke of, you know, when they talk about we should be able to absorb everybody and everyone should be uh, have an opportunity at the American dream. I don't think any of us fault that, but if you're going to do it, you need to do it legally, and there should be a process that allows that. But the inaction that that is feeding this surge is uh, when you look at that, uh, the group of Haitians that came across, part of the rhetoric was that, you know, we're going to immediately expel all of these individuals. The reality is probably 90% of them were released in the United States. And we live in a world where real-time communication is, at the, is, it, is in your hand. It's your cell phone. And so word of mouth, you know, if I was one of those Haitians and I just came across and then I got released, I'm calling my friends. I'm calling my family and saying, look, they're going to hold you for a few days. And then they're going to release you. And, and we've seen that played out over and over and over, over over the last two years. And so that certainly feeds into this. And then some of the actions that have been taken by this administration, when you look at ICE, uh, the Immigration Customs and Enforcement uh, Agency, their ability and, and their task, part of one of their groups is uh, ERO, uh, Enforcement and removal, removal. These are the individuals that have the bed space for criminal aliens or people that are in deportation processes. Um, at one point, and this was uh, before I retired, they had somewhere in the realm of about fifty to 60,000 beds that they could utilize for criminal aliens, people in, in deportation proceedings. And what this administration has done and, uh, and this Congress is they've slowly reduced the number of beds available to ERO, which means that more and more people are now released and or not detained. So I think the latest count is somewhere in the realm of, it's, it's either 25 or 30,000 beds. And in the last week, I, I recall reading something where the administration wants to reduce that even further. So when you take that away, that means that criminal aliens are no longer being held. Individuals in deportation proceedings are no longer held. So there is no deterrent. So again, there's that messaging of, if you come here illegally, and, and if, even if you get caught, you're probably going to be released right back into the country. And, and another activity that we're moving towards, and I, I can see where it's, it has its benefits, where uh, ankle bracelets or issuing people phone, phones so they can check in with uh, immigration 
it's, it, you know, it's, it's a monitoring system. I can see the applicability if it's put into the right hands. If you've got a family, more than likely that's not the uh, folks that are, that are going to abscond. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to report for their immigration hearing. One of the biggest, uh, I, I think, failures is the fact that we trust, but we do nothing beyond that. Because if you come here illegally and you have an ankle bracelet which you can cut off or you're given a phone and you're supposed to check in, at some point you're supposed to report for your immigration hearings and then go through that entire immigration process. That uh, The percentage of, of successful completion, i.e. the individual follows it all the way through, it's probably less than 60%, if not lower. So what that means is you've got an, an illegal immigration population that came in and it, you know, by le- some people may, uh, may argue with me, but by legal terms, because they're in the immigration processes, they have a legal status, but ultimately they're removed or deported in absentia because they don't complete the process. So it, it just... It just keeps on feeding itself, and, and the underlying tenet is the fact that nothing will be done to you if you come here illegally. Damn. Well, Chief, appreciate your time, buddy. I know you're uh, on a road trip here locally in, in the state of Texas, so any final thoughts or words for the audience, anywhere we can follow you or keep up with what you have going on? Hey, well, as always, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I am here in the, in the great state of Texas, uh, loving it, and uh, it just... If you get the opportunity, reach out to your elected officials. These are the individuals that we need to hold accountable. These are the individuals that can change us through legislation. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Thank you, man. Be safe on the road. All right. Take care. Take care. Talk soon. That is the end of the teaser. All right. If you want the whole enchilada, the full shebang, that's strictly for the patrons. We're hitting y'all with more premium content. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash red pill tamales and get full access to all of the shows all of the content and all the premium exclusives all right see you there patreon.com forward slash red pill tamales Sus.